Welcome to the Millionaire's Podcast, where we interact with people who've changed a million lives. This time, we have none other than Ravi Machani, Managing Director of the Machani Group, an 80-year-old family-run business by third-generation entrepreneurs. First off, I'd like to say it's an honor to have you here. We know you're a very bu- busy man. And so, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. So, before we start, why don't you introduce yourself? Why don't you say a little bit about yourself and what you do exactly? Sure. Thank you, Raj. Thank you, Arnav. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute joy to be here. And it's special for me uh, in a few ways. Um, I've never done a podcast with somebody less than half my age. <laughs> so it's exciting. And yeah, for yeah. me, it's an opportunity to learn from you too. So okay. I want it to be a meaningful conversation. And I want to share, I think, what's worth sharing with your generation. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah. The Machani okay, Group yeah. is an 80-year-old family business run by third generation of entrepreneurs. So why don't you tell us about the history of the Machani Group? Sure. And how they have sustained over the years. Sure. So our family business is technically 93 years old. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't register about 15 years of being in business okay. back in the day. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. early days. Technically, we are 93 years old. Mm-hmm. Practically, we're over 100 years old. Wow. Right? So we've endured three generations of family business and statistically 4% of businesses survive the third generation right so it is a tough space to be as a family business yeah and I think the most difficult part of a family business is you expect the next generation of business owners yeah to be entrepreneurs yeah yeah and uh, maybe in the future people will figure out but nobody's figured out how to breed entrepreneurs yeah Right. Right, right, and, right, right. And, um, you know, again, statistically, 4% of the world are entrepreneurs. Hmm. It's 4% of the people that employ, you know, the rest 96%. 4%? 4%. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's a hard breed to, um, you know, I think um, there's a lot of nurturing and awareness that's still required. And uh, I think things are getting much easier and friendlier. Mm-hmm. Our family business started in 1930. We had humble beginnings with a coal-fired bus that ran between two villages, you know, moving people up and down. One thing led to another, and then from there, uh, my grandfather's generation Mm -hmm. built India's largest transport network of the country. And we had our challenges in the 70s where India was in the hangover of, you know, those days, USSR. And okay, we used to yeah. nationalize businesses, and our family got uh, business got nationalized. So it's an interesting time when India as a country was more important than business or the family. Yeah. So a lot of family businesses went through, including Tata's and the aviation business, which we all know of, right? Yeah, we also have businesses today in auto components. Um, we're in real estate. We do a social enterprise that's pretty big yeah. in scale. We have a AI Venture Studio, which I shared yeah, yeah. Uh, with you guys about. Quite excited to talk about it. Yeah. So fairly broad businesses, right. including defense, right, yeah. assault yeah. rifles, sniper guns, yeah. ammunition, um, yeah. and also some business in simulators with AI and you know interesting next generation stuff. Okay, that's that's amazing. Yeah. So you're the managing director. What exactly is the role of a managing director? So I'm the guy who watches pretty much all the businesses in the family. Okay. I have an elder brother who runs the manufacturing business that we have in the family. That's yeah. about now 
63 years old. The company is called Stump Shule and Sumappa. We have nearly 2,000 people that work for us. Um, and uh, we make a few million springs a day. Few million and springs we supply to pretty much all the OEMs of the country. OEMs are original equipment manufacturers, yeah, yeah. buses, trucks, cars, motorcycles, everything, right? And uh, that's an old legacy business that my elder brother runs. It's a very difficult business to run. Yeah. We make about 4,000 types of springs okay. and uh, usually about three to five million springs a day. We have one operation in the U.S. and about nine plants to manage. It's a lot of cures and moving parts. So yeah. that's a difficult business that he runs and also started some defense businesses. Uh, I run the uh, real estate business and uh, a bunch of tech businesses and the social enterprise. In the village? In the village. Yeah. Okay. So I'd like to talk to you about college. How do your experiences in college, you know, shape your mindset for what you, what you want to become an entrepreneur? So I think there are two, three things that affect your mindset to entrepreneurship. I think the first thing is familiarity and what's okay at home. Okay. So uh, some of us growing up in an entrepreneurial family completely underestimate what a huge mindset shift it is to mm-hmm. actually be entrepreneurs, right? So for me, dinner table, uh, family evenings, was always with family business. And business was just what we did. So I didn't have any other identity, if you want to put it that way. So right in college, you know, I was quite entrepreneurial back in college. And um, there were, um, back in the day, admissions that we used to, you know, help get and make some good money out of it too. So it's a long story for another day. But (laughs) yeah, I've been an entrepreneur all my life. I was probably 15 when I started my first business. Uh, it was a hustle, side hustle, but making money was always fun because it was uh, not necessary, yeah. but fun to do. That's fun yeah, to do. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's a big difference, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, so for children that are grown yeah. in a family where entrepreneurship is part of your daily life, we kind to tend to underestimate what it takes for the families who come from the mm-hmm. so-called security of a paycheck. Okay. Because you are used to seeing the entrepreneurs yeah. work from five to nine, not nine to five. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. Did you have a mentor or a significant figure who shaped your approach towards business and entrepreneurship? I think I've always had a mentor throughout my entire career. Okay. Right? And uh, my best example would be uh, going from here to HSR layer to, let's say, MG Road. Mm-hmm. You know, one is to just start driving and figuring out the road along the way the other is to use the GPS yeah right so mentor is a good GPS to have and uh, you'll make less mistakes you'll have uh, guidance along the way and uh, experience unfortunately comes with age and having made enough mistakes and having been there right and it's really good to have a mentor along the way so I've always had mentors uh, my first mentor was Rahul Parikh, my boss in the U.S. Okay. He yeah. was uh, unbelievably good to me. I learned a lot about how to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I learned a lot of risk-taking ability and is one of the sharpest financial acumen uh, right. entrepreneur I know. Then I had another boss at Delphi Automotive. His name was Ravi Charipuri. Then um, back here in India, I had uh, Shekhar Narsimhan, somebody I met on a tennis court. He mentored me quite a bit and now... 
I have Ishwar Subramanian who's been guiding yes. me for Tupac, and uh, it's quite an interesting mentor to have. Mm. So there's a growing sentiment amongst my generation. You know, thinking like, oh, college is bad. That's not the right path to take to become an entrepreneur to become successful. Uh, what What are your views on that? So I think college does a few things. Yeah. One of the things it does is get you some basic education. Yeah. That probably get into a job. So, getting into a college doesn't hurt you to be an entrepreneur. If anything, it helps, right? And you also meet a lot of people. You learn skills, and I'm hoping that you learn enough uh, in college yeah. to realize that in order for you to be successful, you need to take people along. You know, teamwork is just where it begins, but this is a whole other level of, you know, inspiring people. What would you confidence. say to the people who mm. say that instead of doing four years of college, I'd rather do four years of business and gain experience in business? So there are two different things. If you have financial compulsions and you have to earn money, maybe it's good to go and figure that out. And the other way to look at it is also even if you're in college, it's probably a great place to do business. Who stops you from doing business in college? Right. I did that, and uh, you know, of course, it's fun that it was optional. And it's a nice thing for me to do, but absolutely, you know, I don't think they're really related. You can start a business uh, any time in your life; it's a choice. Yeah. So, what does entrepreneurship <clears throat> mean to you? Entrepreneurship is a choice of lifestyle where you take care of your own earnings, okay, your time, you attract other people to get onto your mission. You give them hope. You show them how. and you stretch the resources that you have so if i look at the fundamental difference between an entrepreneur and a so called professional a senior executive in a very large firm is rewarded for not taking the wrong decisions and they're not required or expected to take risks mm-hmm. okay yeah and they don't stretch the money right yeah, yeah they don't need to they adequately finance these businesses and it's usually a scale business where a lot of people are responsible for where the business goes hmm. the opposite of it is entrepreneurship here you are a person who has to start a new business or an idea you have to stretch resources you have to make things possible yeah and magic is required you have to make it work right yeah so what's a piece of advice you know you would say to aspiring entrepreneurs start early Okay. Start safe. When you have a cushion, yeah, it's always easier. And the more you do it, the more you get better at it. Okay. Just like a muscle, like anything else, I think you exercise it, you start getting better. Mm. You also become comfortable at it. Yeah, because um, you are betting your time, your reputation, money. There is quite a few things besides just you know. Yeah. You know, just money at stake, right? So you just start getting comfortable with it. Okay. So I think just you know, don't be afraid to lose. Mm-hmm. And um, the kind of entrepreneurship also you take depends on the stage and age in your life. Mm. Very early, you start a business where you don't want to lose. Okay. So you take safer bets then. Yeah. But as you grow older and you have enough wealth, you just you start. you know indulging sometimes even in hobby businesses mm-hmm. because it's okay to lose money yeah <laughs> you know? exactly so what's a contrarian mindset 
and do you relate <coughs> with it not necessarily is just not something that's i'm familiar with at all right a contrarian mindset yeah okay. moving forward to something personal that i want to know are you satisfied with your career ambitions like this is what you wanted to do and now you are doing that so are you satisfied with being an entrepreneur and being and doing what you're doing mm-hmm. i must say um i think i'm extremely satisfied okay because i think i had low standards for myself when uh-huh. early on <laughs> um i didn't expect to come this far i think what makes it interesting is the fact that i came across very interesting people and that kept changing my trajectory yeah see i came into a family business and we had one family business that my elder brother you know he's running so i had to very quickly pivot <laughs> and figure out something that i would want to do mm-hmm. as somebody who's used to having a family business so i've had to invent myself and it's perhaps the best thing that happened to me so i have started about 11 businesses today failed in 3 but still a good run rate yeah yeah and i, I think in the ones that really mattered where the scale and stakes were too high fortunately that game i won quite well with the team <laughs> that we built nice. so if i look at how i stack myself against uh, how would i imagine myself i think i did pretty damn good mm-hmm. what i'm very proud of and didn't expect this is the quality of the people that I collected along the way mm-hmm. learned some very interesting lessons right you can't recruit the core team around you you have to collect them okay then you collect a few friends who are there for you in your down times because entrepreneurship will have a lot of low times mm-hmm. so you need to have enough people who will pull you up yeah because you will go down Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And my standard line is who's going to be around you when you're in the trenches or the sewers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's what matters the most. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you know, who says you can't have fun either in trenches or sewers. <laughs> yeah. You could right in your worst of times you have the best of the people that pull you up. I mean, it makes the journey worth it, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really fun. Yes. If you make it fun. Yeah. So moving forward let's talk about your AI ventures. So what's the next new AI venture studio? So the first time I heard um artificial intelligence was perhaps in 2013. Mm-hmm. It was a fascinating concept that came out of uh, Stanford University where they were analyzing images and this computer box figured out what was there in the image. I remember 30,000 images it took for a computer to understand a cat or a cat and um that led to me making an investment in 2015 i invested in a startup that was working on artificial intelligence now having made that investment in ai startup got me familiar with it and as i got familiar i also got more i'd say perhaps bold and um around 2018 i was very sure that i wanted to do something in uh, ai a because it was fascinating yeah. b because can i imagine a future without it the answer was absolutely no no c were we early hell yeah and it was a great time to be early yeah damn on looking back hindsight 
was a damn good movie. So we're all in in uh, AI Venture Studio. Perhaps very few in India uh, are there of this kind and caliber. The next new AI Venture Studio has six companies. I'll start with, uh, we have a gaming studio that uses all Gen AI to develop games, mobile first. Okay. Bit of a sandbox, we're learning a lot and we've built a shooting simulator for the defense. Do you play this game sometimes yourself? It's pretty cool. I encourage you guys to try it out. Yeah, it's pretty it fascinating story. We call it Shavya. Yeah. So you enjoy the, playing it, it? Oh, it's fun. <laughs> this is as close of a real life Fortnite you get to play. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. So Shavya is a shooting simulator on screens with real guns that are modified to give you the recoil and you get as close of a near experience of shooting as you can. So okay. that's uh, one of the AI Venture Studios startups. We have um, another one called Indie Village, which I talked about. We do a lot of AI services there. We have uh, robotics, where okay. we're building now humanoids in Bangalore. We started our life with partnership uh, with a very interesting humanoid called Sophia. The robot. Yes, I right. saw that. Yeah, yeah, I came yeah. to see. So it's a very, very cool humanoid robot, yeah. and uh, we have added some AI to it, and we're on a very different trajectory from Sophia, but she's very much a cousin of Sophia. It's Ria now, and right? Now it's become Ria. Yeah. What right. is the future of humanoids, and how do you think it will impact our life in the coming ten years? So, I would say by twenty thirty, mm-hmm. that's not too far. Yeah. Humanoids will be part of a lot of people's daily lives. Today, the challenge is more on the mobility and physicality of a humanoid robot because the AI is getting there really fast. Yeah. I think it was this week that Chat GPT 4 Turbo was released. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? And a uh, lot of really interesting updates, right? So after ChatGPT has released, people started recognizing the power of AI. People started getting threat by AI. They started believing that jobs will be lost. So my point of view is that AI is something that should assist human beings, not to substitute them. So what's your point of view on this? Do you think AI can be a threat to humans? The truth is nobody knows. Mm, okay. We all guess what the future looks like. Okay. And usually the outcome is dependent on things that we are not able to forecast at all. Right, mm-hmm. So I actually don't have an opinion. What I do know is artificial intelligence will become so intelligent that it will surpass the cognitive abilities of humans. Right, yes. <clears throat> and once the cognitive abilities of AI surpass humans, we call it artificial general intelligence, once we reach that level, we think it's going to be the last invention. Yeah. Because if AI can do a better job of inventing themselves, yeah. what have we got to do our roles? Exactly. I'm sure we'll have some roles, but so things are going to look drastically mm-hmm. different. But I wouldn't necessarily be afraid of it because I don't think any of us can change the course of what we've already started. So are you implying that it poses a threat to humanity? Because it can self-reproduce? Yeah. There is definitely concerns. Yeah, and if you go yeah. check on YouTube and really really smart people are concerned right and uh, I don't think that's not really founded with 
you know, solid base. There is mm. basis to be, I think, concerned. But um, I think overall, it's like electricity. When electricity came around too, people were really afraid. So were they with computers. Same thing is happening with AI. I don't think any of us can stop it. Yeah. You might as well be ahead of the curve. And be part of the camp that benefited from AI yeah. rather than blame it. <laughs> so Machani Robotics is building humanoids. Mm-hmm. Can you specify what can the humanoid capable of? The humanoid right. is capable of. So the humanoids that we are building is here to take care of the loneliness for assisted living seniors okay. at this point of time. I must very clearly say that it's the beginning of a journey. Because it's a convenient journey and it solves a very large problem. Mm. So companionship, right? Senior companionship is a starting point. Starting point. But think of a humanoid today as the pre-iPhone era. When there was Nokia, Blackberry, Sony, HP iPad, Kyocera. There were quite a few smartphones. And the early years where nobody's really dominating the space. Yeah. Yes. Right? Think of the humanoid current status as that. So very soon, there are going to be some dominant players in the humanoid industry and the business. And then the whole market dynamics and things will shift. Mm. So it's going to be very, very interesting play out. So what are, what are, what are like a few challenges you faced while, you know, designing designing these humanoids so the humanoids are robots yeah that live in human environment and have of course similarities to humans right um this is a very difficult journey to embark on and super expensive so there's some good things that worked for us and i'll talk about the difficulties too because i think it's important to recognize what went for us so Dr. David Hansen is a scientist that came out of Disney Labs and is perhaps among the finest roboticists in the world. Yeah. Right? And uh, he made Sophia the robot. It's the most humane-looking robot right now. And that's the basis on which Rhea is also being built. Mm. You know, Rhea is very similar to Sophia mm. but has a few interesting differences. But now... We are partnering with Hanson Robotics. We have been partnering with them for the last four years. So we had an easier ride, I would say, mm. compared to most humanoid companies. Because starting a humanoid company from the scratch is super hard. Yep. Yeah. Right? So we've had a great start. Definitely chat GPT. Right. Right, that's the obvious one. Then there are these hardware advancements that most people are not aware of. Um, they're called harmonic drives. So these are very precision motors that translate, transmit the movements of the robot. Then definitely um, compute. This is going to require a lot of compute. So the more advanced computing is better. The so that is like the brain of the robot, right? Yeah. Compute, okay. So think of a robot uh, with a bunch of capabilities and mm-hmm. we call that multi-modal AI, right? All different types of AI it yeah, needs yeah, to process. Yeah, yeah. So it needs to um, see, it needs to hear, it needs to talk, it needs to move. There's a lot of things that it needs mm-hmm. to do all put together. And then it has to read 
human faces, you test to read your emotions, you test to read your expressions. Do you so think AI will be capable of reading human emotions? Absolutely. And I believe there's a company already a friend actually, Effectiva is the name of the company. Her name is Dr. Anand. She's been working on it for a while. Computers can absolutely read expressions, emotions, wow. micro expressions way more than wow. humans can. Way more. So way more. Very complex understanding. Eventually. But that's but that might not always be accurate, right? Of course there's a false negative. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so it can read a few things wrong. So that is done basically by the expressions of the human? Right Body now, language yes. expressions? So there's, you know, facial expressions and non verbal communications too. And it depends on the culture and who's doing what. So okay. uh, but answer is yeah. It's getting there. It will get there. It's early days, yeah. but it's getting there. It's like Nokia to iPhone. Yeah, yeah, it'll get there. Yeah. So what no is the school of AI started by you? So the school of AI was started by my co-founder, mm-hmm. uh, Rohan Shavan. Oh, Rohan Shavan. That is not mine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's very much Rohan Shavan's baby and yeah. still is. Uh, I play a support role there. He's trained about 7,000 engineers in about six years. Okay. Yeah. And I must give a lot of credit to Rohan to where we are in our AI Venture Studio. Yeah. Is perhaps among the brightest minds of the country. He went to IIT, right? IIT Kadakpur. Yeah. And he's always worked on AI for, I don't know, maybe 12, 14 years. Okay. So very when it started? Early days, very early days. Yeah. So he's very experienced for where AI is today. Okay. So getting back to Indie Village, what exactly is Indie Village? There are two units, I assume. One is Indie Village Foundation, which is an NGO, hmm. and one is the uh, Indie Village Data Processing Unit, right? Right. So Indie Village was started in 2010, yeah. Jan 6, so it's a special day, that's why I remember it. Uh, it came out of a very special interaction with Dr. Abdul Kalam. He's still my inspiration in so many ways. You know, never felt that way before or after that Dr. Abdul Kalam moment. So um, he asked if there's any way I could proactively contribute to betterment of rural India. One of his you know, regrets for India was urban India is doing well. Yeah. Yeah. There are six hundred thousand villages in India. Why are we leaving them behind? That's equal. Is there a social experiment that you can do? Yeah. See what can what is possible. So we looked at how to bring digital jobs yeah. to rural India. So that's how we started India Village. It's a for profit social enterprise. Okay. For profit because you can attract the right better talent. And um, we use all the proceeds of Indie Village, 100% of it, for community upliftment and, of course, the cost that it takes to run. Some of the profits are parked in the foundation. Yeah. The foundation, I believe, is four to five years old. So it does a lot of good to the community. But it's a pure, non-profit community. How many villages have you guys set up the foundation in, till now? We have about six centers today. Okay. And about... Uh, 700 people. I don't like and, uh, what states. <laughs> ah, so we have two in Andhra Pradesh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have one in Karnataka in Raichur. Okay. okay. Then we have in Basi. Then we have one in uh, near Jaipur. Okay, Jaipur. Uh, near okay, Jaipur. Yeah. And then uh, I believe we have uh, yeah, the spread out all over the place. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. So, so, so like, what was your thought process behind this? 
to equalize urban opportunities to rural opportunities or rural opportunities to urban opportunities so i <coughs> think um economically starved regions yeah could always use a kick start right yeah now let's say having couple of hundred digital jobs in rural india exposes uh the youth there to possibilities which otherwise they wouldn't have yeah mm-hmm. so think of it as a stargate or a portal let's say there is a lot of work that needs to be done in artificial intelligence services for example autonomous driving mm. or surveillance drones that information has to be analyzed by somebody yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so those kind of jobs micro tasked analyzed indexed can go to rural india yeah where they can do the work at a far lower price and a much higher quality yeah okay yeah because they appreciate these cool jobs compared to what's around mm-hmm. otherwise their options are to work in the fields or a shop or yeah not too many opportunities you see yeah. so their opportunities stopped yeah that's uh, versus that's urban areas which are already struggling with you know all kinds of challenges from infrastructure right. to pollution to mm-hmm. all kinds of challenges so you can implement a uh, humanoids in this right to teach maybe the younger generation living residing in the rural areas so that you know they can grow up and so that's you're basically providing them an opportunity anything is possible yeah rural india has its uh, challenges right see 70% of the country is still on less than 2 dollars a day few people know this so india has many indias and the india that we are talking about that needs um pulling up yeah is a lot of work still left okay and i believe the next generation you know will see the value in spreading out the work and stop clogging the urban c- cities you know urban you know uh, infrastructure further so covid has done quite a bit of uh, normalizing that challenge Okay. There are now a lot more people who want to live better to work. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily compromising everything for their careers. Right? It, okay. it, I think it's good. So, how uh, getting back to Tressa Motors? Hmm. So, what drove you to the venture of ele- inventing electric vehicles? That two heavy-duty electric vehicles being developed. So, our uh, journey started in. Uh, Tressa Energy, as we called it a few years ago, okay. it was a startup that a couple of us came together and wanted to build motors. Mm-hmm. The plans were a lot more humble back then, but then a few interesting things happened, and I must say, um, again here, Rohan plays a very critical role. Uh, he stepped up to a very interesting challenge, and Rohan and my path crossed with Vinod Dasari. was the chairman and managing director of Ashok Leyland. Okay. He took that company from maybe a f- 2 3000 crores to 30000 crores. Okay. Wow. Some crazy number like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so how much uh, of an investment does a pro- project like Tressa Motors take? Estimate. Uh, it's going to take eventually thousands of crores. Setting up the plant, yeah. manufacturing unit. Oh yeah, it'll take according to me at least 600 crores but 
it okay. will take also 3000 crores not too far from there that okay. stage so it all depends on crawl walk and run yeah crawl is all about proving what's possible proof of concept a fully working approved prototype that you can sell then you got to walk then you got to find customers which i think we already have fortunately Definitely. we have a very experienced team working on tresa models yeah i think in the country it doesn't get better than you know dasari to lead such a challenge yeah okay is um, not only really good in india perhaps among the best in the world too okay he is respected as one of the top commercial vehicle experts in the world so having him on our side makes a big difference yeah we're going to make lesser mistakes and we're going to get there mm-hmm. faster better cheaper right? yeah and um, but don't you think the price of tresa motors heavy duty transportation vehicles prices are still going to be higher than as c- comparative to a petrol yeah. vehicle that's hardly a concern yeah because look at a truck fleet mm-hmm. that is getting charged by a solar farm so long run it will cover solar up expenses farm. yeah a solar farm so you don't need any infrastructure to charge it yeah so oh, that's a brilliant idea cover up the just think about the think about the cost of charging electric trucks yeah mm-hmm. and think of them as mega battery banks yeah okay as long as you're taking the juice from the sun yeah yeah and you can since they are trucks they already have wheels mm-hmm. they can go to solar farms and get fully charged and come right yeah super right. sustainable yeah it is right sustainable so in that case if you look at the total cost of ownership or the life of the truck this change is inevitable and there's only one way it's going to go it's going to go electric okay how do you plan to integrate ai into this you know so our very ambitious dream hmm. is to build the most intelligent truck in tresa mm-hmm. right and that comes from our ability to bring in some of the ai tech that we have in other yeah. fields mm-hmm. right uh, rohan is also this celebrity ai um engineer that has got another startup with him called inkers inkers yeah right he has a high fidelity scanning technology that is put together okay right it's among the finest out there and that technology can be used for trucks to mm-hmm. record mm-hmm. relay its journey so that it can automatically adapt mm-hmm. and adopt to different situations so safety of the truck drivers are a major concern in india mm-hmm. and most of the accidents in the national highway are caused by trucks so have you guys fi- uh, figured out a solution for the safety of the truck drivers so there will be safety features that are going to be novel and new mm-hmm. one of them is to keep a uh, in dash camera okay you have to figure out the privacy aspect of it but if it comes to life it comes to life right if the glucose levels of the driver comes down and they seem drowsy mm-hmm. it'll give a few warnings and after that it'll not it's it's, yeah okay they give this so things like that right so prevent the truck drivers from sleeping while driving <laughs> yeah sleeping from today the solutions are very crude and i've seen a couple of crude yeah. ways to uh, you know avoid that mm-hmm. um one of the largest fleet operators actually requires the drivers to put their finger in a certain slot in every few minutes <laughs> and wiggle or something yeah. sort of let them know <laughs> it's so kind of like you know tesla i don't know if you guys have yeah, seen yeah. tesla every few minutes you have to just shake the oh, really? steering a bit like that only is yes. yeah. tesla motors in 
by any chance inspired by us so we wanted people to ask this question yeah. <laughs> it's um uh intentional mm-hmm. tresa stands short for trisanu trisanu which is a sanskrit word for a quark or a subatomic particle okay so it's also a tribute to our scientific prowess back in those thousands of years ago mm-hmm. our knowledge on science was just perhaps among the best in the world yeah among the best in the world we didn't have of course some rivals but we were among the best in the world back then so in a way we wanted people to guess if it's a shallow yeah tesla know. sounding name yeah. actually it's not it's we not wanted people to ask this question yeah, it's not it's gives you the name. opportunity to yeah you know be but, proud of our heritage right yeah, but the trucks look oddly similar to the cyber trucks like the cyber trucks of tesla i think the tesla model 1 looks more like darth vader that yeah that definitely uh, <laughs> i would say cyber truck um so there's a trick behind it yeah uh fine finishing and smooth surfaces and curves are extremely expensive to make here you just cut up think of it as a paper that you cut and just solder and you're done mm, okay. so this is a prototype yeah you're only showcasing right that the truck and the chassis and the gliders as we call it you know through those technologies mm. and the cabin is a compromise yeah. but also we wanted to give it a very unique look yes so the cabin is a compromise because it doesn't have air conditioning and you know beautiful seating and all yeah. those things yet yeah right and depending on different levels of funding that comes into the company will have money to allocate towards these design yeah. engineering and execution yeah. right so for now i think our cabin is uh designed to catch your attention mm. and of course it's done its job people like how it looks and yeah. it's fairly aggressive and uh it definitely grabs your attention yeah. do you believe that tesla motors might have a major sh- market share in the heavy duty vehicles in the future that's the absolute hope okay and i think it should have a very interesting journey mm-hmm. um time will tell but i think tressa will do well yeah okay okay looking yeah. forward to that <coughs> definitely how do you see ai technology and robotics shaping real estate the future of real estate so every business in the world is going to be redefined by artificial intelligence and i'm going to quote peter demandes here within 3 years there will be good companies proactive that will adopt ai and move really ahead and those that don't who very soon are not going to be around yeah okay so there's no choice here so every industry is going to be redefined did you integrate ai with your real estate companies oh yes we did in some ways although not a whole lot because we feel that at this point of time our time and energy is better utilized in electric commercial vehicles yeah. and mm-hmm. robotics and inkers definitely yeah. because the returns are far superior at this point of time but yeah. let's say a few prop tech engineers want to come or domain experts want to come and design some solutions with real estate meets ai absolutely possible we have used some but yeah. not a whole lot okay and simply it's, it's just time and money okay 
Yeah. Yeah. MGB real estate focused on developing malls, commercial areas, you know. So, uh when designing these properties, what do you keep in mind, you know, when you want to meet the needs of a modern consumer? First thing is MGB uh, Felicity Mall is my cousin's in Nellore, yeah. right? So he's okay. gonna uh doing a phenomenal job of yeah. building this mall ahead of its time for Nellore, which is a tier 2 town. What we're building in Koramangala is um, going to be called Regalium. Okay. Um, it's quite special to us because it's um, going to be innovation meets luxury. Mm. Okay. Um, a space that we're not familiar with, but I'm pretty sure we will get very familiar yeah. with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting. There aren't too many examples of it either, right? So um, using technology in real estate. to save money or to make things better or to get the experience right all of these are yeah. going to define the kind of company you're going to be and remember golden rule in any business that adopts ai seriously in one year they get ahead get ahead by about 7 years okay so oh. we call that the dog years yeah right so in 3 years if you are a power user of ai in your core business You're gonna be ahead by 21 years. Uh, it's yeah. a lot to catch up. One year equates to seven years. Right. Months. Right. Yeah. So the dog years are super hard to catch up with. Yeah. That's why it doesn't matter which business you are in, you have to adopt AI as soon as possible, so that at least you can keep up with where the world's headed. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, why did you choose your first Swasa Homes project in Basavanguli? So my whole career in real estate is a. Uh, function of what's good for our family business. Mm. Mm-hmm. So our family had a few manufacturing plants of making order components. Okay. So that business is what came to me to manage and I decided to break the business into two different operating company and holding company. Mm-hmm. The operating company did something with I sold the majority of the share to an investor who came from the US. Then we had the land that we wanted to either sell or give it out to developer yeah then i looked at the number of land parcels we had as a family okay and it made sense since we had enough land parcels which actually meant that we had the runway worthwhile building a business and a team for yeah okay so we have family land and other people land also we could develop so we said there's a good opportunity to build a proper business mm. so you always build a great team that builds great results for you as a business. Yeah. No in one entrepreneur can pull anything off. So I think we have a fantastic team mm. that uh, started life in Baswangudi. Yeah. But uh, we'll start we started in Baswangudi but yeah. I I'm sure we'll finish it somewhere more exciting. Where? Why are you looking to branch out? Uh I meant even in real estate. Yeah. I think the future of real estate is also defining uh is defined by what AI can do to for example mm-hmm. one of the investments i made in real estate is called alt real estate um oh, imagine being able to buy one square foot of ubicity mm-hmm. because today you can buy one share in tata motors why can't you buy one square foot in ubicity or one building in mg road yeah right Yeah. It should be able to buy. Should that yeah. AI will give you rent according to one square feet? Exactly. Do you plan that? Exactly. That's okay. a brilliant, That's a brilliant right? idea. It <laughs> is an interesting idea, right? Never done before. So if you have a share, 
yeah. along with the share comes one square foot yeah and as it appreciates you actually have a physical asset attached okay. to okay and then you get rents like dividends absolutely right that's okay so it's slice and dice economy yeah okay uh, i think if you save up definitely you can buy a square foot in ubc city as okay. so when you plan to implement this so this company is now about 2 years old i think okay mm-hmm. and uh, the website is altdrx.com we are waiting for some regulations to come around mm. catch up i should say catch up, catch up yeah. with this yeah. innovative ideas and uh, started by two very good entrepreneurs anand and avinash so i just i'm the first investor in this company investor so this is an example of where real estate is headed mm. okay. there's a lot of innovation still left in real estate yeah. and the category is called prop tech yeah. there are some good examples around the world um but there's still a long way to go yeah so is this going to be launched like national stock commission something like that that's the plan because it's a exchange right yeah yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. let's talk about what we already do mm. i don't have to guess today inkers can fly drones flies drones with a box attached into the construction site okay so we build a digital twin of exactly as is model that's work in progress mm-hmm. now that compared to what it should have been could have been to a plan yeah gives you a comparison as what it should have been and what it actually, what it actually is, is. Okay. Yeah. and on there you have a comparison of progress how much material has been used guesstimates of all the accessories the amount of processes that has been through indirect reflection of how much work is done what it mm-hmm. costed and how much effort and time it took so it helps you track the entire <coughs> progress and the cost absolutely so it reduces waste cost also absolutely and it also saves you a lot of time and rework because once it's scanning yeah it's also looking for defects mm-hmm. mistakes that you correct at that stage yeah so it's called in process quality versus repairs and reworks okay okay just starting from that stage all the way to the end experience the future of malls is as you walk in yeah depending on the privacy laws yeah we can guess your preference based on the brand that you're wearing oh, wow. we can wow. predict how much you'll spend in our stores and which stores are you likely to spend all done by humanoid or just ai camera yeah yeah camera okay. so uh sss defense what what exactly do you manufacture So SSS defense is the brainchild of my elder brother Satish. Yeah. Um he to uh he built this company SSS defense drew some initial inspiration and mm. understanding knowledge from a company abroad but it's completely indigenously researched designed developed assault rifles. So in house R&D research in, and development house r&d okay i think we are the only company i said i think we are the okay. only indian company in its dna from ground up to mm. have built mm-hmm. assault rifles okay. and sniper guns which sniper, is extremely hard to do yeah yeah so it's a marvelous technical feat for sss defense okay and he also has a joint venture with a brazilian multi-billion dollar ammunition company called CBC so he also makes ammunition in Anantapur okay. so this portion of the business is driven by my elder brother all credits to him and 
you know i get to enjoy the ride yeah <laughs> so who do you supply it to indian defense okay some exports so that tenders for the indian defense supply yes and also exports right mm-hmm. his large customer recently has been armenia mm, bien ha huh? armenia 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 okay the country yeah okay so something we both are pretty interested to know What's yeah you should go to the factory there and go to the shooting range mm. yeah and yeah. shoot a real gun ஸ்ரீஸ் then mm. in process inspection quality checks yeah. then assembly then again testing they're called subsystems that go into another yeah. major mm-hmm. systems mm-hmm. so all the ducts have to be in a row and all of them have to be working in tolerance levels that need to be in a watch grade mm. right okay really precision engineering because imagine a bullet is a trajectory that leaves a gun and has to be on target nearly a kilometer away for a sniper gun. Yes, yes. That's incredibly hard to do. So your barrel technology is extremely demanding. Yeah. From, you know, the uh, material to processing. So it's so precision engineering at its finest. Yeah. So what's the margin in this industry? So defense businesses tend to be a lot more profitable in general. Mm-hmm. I would say 30 to 40% is not an unfair ask. I've seen defense companies make 70 to 80% margins too. 70 to 80% margin. Absolutely. That's when the supply including, is high. Including research yeah, and development? Like yes. Okay. Wow, that's, that's, that's insane. <laughs> that's insane. That's yeah. 70 to 80% uh, because, margin. Because, um, well, I'll tell you, interesting companies, an uh, Israeli defense company called General Robotics. Yeah. yeah. They make robots for wars. So, yeah, they make a lot of money. Hmm. So how do your companies collaborate with each other if it does at all? Uh between but like Inkers AI with real estate construction It's a very interesting question. Think of it as very unique capabilities going to your you know, education analogy. It's like asking how does physics, chemistry and math and biology come together? Mm. You can choose to they make them come together. I do. Right? I do. Yeah. and um you can call it uh, um you know integrated learning yeah right mm-hmm. um or if you're trying to design a humanoid for example mm. there isn't a discipline of any education that's not used mm. yes, from yes. psychology to everything you know yeah. physics yeah. to I mean what can you think of that Body you can't language, use everything yeah. right yeah. it's just not into what you can use so depending on where you end up uh, in your uh, business you are forced to bring in these disciplines So, you know, okay. it's interesting. Yeah, we have a subject like that in school. It's called IDU, Interdisciplinary Unit. They're it's very useful because your future is not going to be about knowing once primary once knowledge. Yeah. The future is all about applied knowledge yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, benefit realization and, you know, interesting concepts. So your education is going to be dramatically different than what worked for us. Yeah. Okay. Dramatically different. Because now knowing is... uh not that important so think of iron man having a jarvis mm-hmm. yeah you guys already have a jarvis except it's not having volumetric exactly. displays yeah. 
not yet very soon we're going to have very soon we're going to have volumetric displays yeah and you're going to be able to manipulate these objects in the air yeah and you know i think uh, iron man jarvis is really yeah. around the corner how would you like meta though, right like the like the vr thing meta oh i think apple's going to change the game yeah, i'm super excited about the vision pro <laughs> really release yet uh there are of I course i think the release is in february yeah but there are a lot of uh, samples out there reviews out there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think the early uh, uh bloggers or opinion mm-hmm. influencers uh, have some have you got your hands on it yet not yet i what would should. you name your javis <laughs> oh seriously oh boy i don't know maybe one of the sages from india sages from I'm india i'm always uh, drawn india. to uh, what is special in india Okay. Is that's that's cool. Yeah. Tradition, yeah. culture. Yeah. Okay. What future plans or innovations do you have in mind for Machani Robotics? See, Machani Robotics is going to be perhaps a hardware-dominated company because ChatGPT is always going to be ahead with the amount of resources and how far ahead they are to the rest of the world right now. Mm-hmm. There will be competition, and. Um, the future is um ai is going to rule pretty much everything yeah. right so for us to have a hardware or let's say finished physical manifestation that can take this artificial intelligence is actually a you know very unique place to be in life yeah. it's called embodied ai embodied ai okay yeah. right you have ai on your phone or a laptop or on a screen is very different than Yeah. something that's physical so yeah. in yeah. our environment that's embodied ai okay so that's very exciting for us yeah and what it can do is pretty much limited to your imagination it's like asking hmm. what your smartphone can do and cannot do hmm. okay whatever the physical uh limitations that a smartphone has is what it's limited at but your imagination is what drives the depth and the width of what it can do Yeah. Okay. Pretty much any app that you can think of that can function on your phone works and rocks, right? It's the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right the day your smartphone can walk. That's <laughs> yeah. your first little pocket humanoid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. So See? what's a notable achievement for you in this field? <coughs> I think um as a family business, we have reimagined ourselves and redefined ourselves. Mhm. and yeah. we have pushed boundaries right yeah that's very hard mm-hmm. i think most families after they made some wealth mm-hmm. go into a hyper mode of wealth conservation okay yes yeah mm-hmm. right you start worrying about losing the wealth that you yeah. already made yes mm-hmm. i must give a lot of credit to my father who has been encouraging me to chase a few wild ones out there mm. it takes a lot of courage because it costs money and time and reputation mm-hmm. so i think for a family that came from i call it one trick pony <laughs> yeah. we were order components making springs yeah today we have 11 businesses okay and 11 successful businesses we've had a few failures as a family but yeah. it's hardly anything few of them three yeah. what yeah. would be estimate turnover combining all of 11 companies Few thousand crores. Okay. I yeah. actually never put it together. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
So how do you maintain a balance between family business and modern traditional or uh, modern entrepreneurship? So family business doesn't necessarily have to be traditional boring brick and mortar. Okay, yeah, right. Slow clock speed old school business. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's what the mindset that yeah. we make. It's just like you know, I'm a student Mm. You have to finish college to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Entrepreneurship has nothing to do with it. So it's all about the mindset. It's the mindset. So what <clears> are some <throat> key factors that have contributed to the long-term success of Machani Group? I would say the family business culture and reputation in general in the world mm-hmm. is pretty poor. Yeah. Mm, when right. you think of family business, you think of old mismanaged, school, boring, old school, Conflicts, and murder, yeah. toxic, conflicts, yeah. conflicts, toxic. All these words are absolutely the general image of a family business that you know they carry as a burden. At the IITs today, the Machani Group as a family business has the reputation of being progressive, mm-hmm. entrepreneurial, family culture. Yeah. Okay. Family culture. Progressive entrepreneurial family culture yeah and a family culture to me is a very nurturing long horizon thinking dna okay. so we take decisions that will affect our next generation mm-hmm. i'm not worried about my quarterly performance as a large mm-hmm. publicly traded company would have to mm. so yeah. our decision making horizon tends to be much longer that's what makes family businesses special. Okay. So they can also endure a lot more difficulties than so-called professionals mm-hmm. because people all over the world are usually a lot more loyal to people than to a name or a brand or a company. Right, right. Yeah. That's why it took yeah. a Steve Jobs mm-hmm. to make Apple what it was. If you notice, sometimes people are more dominant, sometimes the company is, but less likely they'll succeed without a strong strong yes. what was the major challenge you faced while running the Machani group businesses I think um, for the size of a business that we are mm-hmm. we do have a lot of variety so I think it's the variety that's a bit challenging but I also think it's the strength and diversification uh, yeah, of the diversification portfolio. is also a strength a lot of times the entrepreneurs has to choose what works for them mm. not necessarily go down the path mm-hmm. that's you know considered best like for me it's the variety that keeps me learning yeah okay and i learn bleeding it stuff sometimes from let's say inkers yeah mm-hmm. that i get to apply in real estate yeah i don't see the real estate industry which is a slow clock speed literally a brick and brick and mortar industry yeah. mm-hmm. figuring out uh customer acquisition cost yeah or you know you know, let's say CRM of bleeding edge thinking mm-hmm. or sniper targeting of customers mm-hmm. you know or you know let's say how to go after customer clusters uh, these are all not traditionally in real estate business and they usually have a catch up to do mm-hmm. and um, faster businesses more volatile businesses mm-hmm the clock speed is much faster so you have to learn much faster to even survive yeah so for you at this point it's just fun 
are the foundation layers for any relationship. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's super important to yeah. trust each other, especially in business. Yeah. Do you take job interviews by yourself? I do sometimes. I did one last week. The reason is for a family business that we are, mm-hmm. we can't recruit. We have to collect. Yeah. And the anchor and crucial roles, I have to get involved mm-hmm. because that's perhaps the best use of my time. Right. I keep reminding myself, I have to build an amazing team that will build an amazing business for all of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Without a great team, yeah, you don't go far. I really, really respect how you prioritize social welfare alongside environmental impact while making sure all your businesses are doing well. I think that's what it means to be a successful entrepreneur. Yeah, I don't yeah. see that happening. I really respect that. So how do you how do you make ensure that? So I think a lot of it comes from common sense, which is I think required for this day and age. Yeah. Um, if you're a pure capitalist, you probably chase pure profits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you must have heard triple bottom line, right? Yeah. Triple bottom Profit, line. people, planet. Planet, yeah. But I think there are many, many more currencies other than just financial currency. Okay. And uh, things like aesthetic currency. Swasa is an example of how you contemporize heritage India mm-hmm. in modern living in an apartment. Yeah. Classic intersection. Yeah. That should have been obvious but I don't know why it took us as a manufacturing company to come into real estate and yeah. start this. Why do we need to ape the West yeah. and name some ridiculous Western names and make it yeah. an aspiration? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Yeah. why? Right. We are among the oldest continuous living civilization yeah. and we are spoiled for choices for inspiration and identity. Right. Why would you be yeah. so callous to go chase something that you don't need to I'm not yeah. saying it's not worth doing but it's a so that's um, yeah it's very inspiring to be at work yeah okay so looking at your diversified portfolio how would, would you like to share the importance of having a diversified portfolio I'll talk about the features mm-hmm. of a diversified portfolio and the benefits of it the features of a diversified portfolio makes uh, your businesses uh, mm. more evolved than others because you have to deal with different industries, different environments, different yeah. skill sets, different mm-hmm. you know strengths. The benefits are you have a alternate cash flows. Okay. So for any reason, automotive doesn't do well, mm-hmm. real estate may do well, or if you notice what happened in COVID, yeah, 80% of the businesses lost. Yes. 5% didn't change much. 15 made a killing. Mm-hmm. So you yeah, want to yeah. spread your bets a bit. So yeah. we want to stabilize these old school brick and mortar businesses that bring in stability with high tech, high risk, mm-hmm. high growth businesses. Is so there any particular industry you want to expand into? I think um, if I had to choose an industry, mm. I'm passionate about defense. Okay. I think um, India is still a long way to go. Yeah, you told me about that. A long way to go. I'm passionate about defense, and I wish it were much easier to do business in defense. There, you know, I would say there is us as a country. We are doing far better than we did in the past. We still have some ways to go. 
there's a lot of intention now how is powerful do you think indian military can beat china and us i'll stick completely out of this one <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> answer is no answer is no answer is no a quick no i don't Why? think we'll last more than 3 days fighting china because of our ammunition or what is it exactly i think there is too far ahead yeah Uh, the technology or with human resources technology yeah. okay i would give a lot more credit to indians on this side mm-hmm. or far better spirited i yeah. think than the chinese and motivated right definitely, yeah. definitely but there's only so much bravado can hold yeah mm-hmm. so i don't know i mean i should be careful how i say this but uh, okay yeah you know i think it's unfair i mean i don't know this for a fact but i feel we should do a lot more in india in defense yeah. okay. a lot of progressive um even family offices can come behind this business because they usually yeah. have patient capital compared to you know uh, angels or vcs you mm. know okay. so defense is something that could do wonders to this country what's your opinion on the tax regulations in india um don't claim to be an expert here but i think taxes and death are the only two certainties in your life okay. so every yeah. country has its ups and downs but you know as entrepreneurs you never plan life around taxes yeah. Yeah. you i don't yeah. okay right i'm sure you respect it and there are people who come around but you have much bigger problems to yeah, solve much than taxes in 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 a, and once you make money is when you pay taxes so yeah it's yeah. usually so an the afterthought the first step is to make money and yeah. then it's to worry about it is usually an afterthought to most entrepreneurs i'm not suggesting this by yeah. any stretch mm-hmm. but you know it's just how it's been forming but does it bug you like oh no yeah paying 30% taxes in india yeah it doesn't bother me um it bothers me that our taxes should be used 10 times better mm-hmm. that bothers me yeah. but it doesn't hurt me to pay taxes at the end of the day it is a responsibility as successful business owners mm-hmm. look at mm-hmm. any economy in the world the engine of any country mm-hmm. are entrepreneurs is because right. entrepreneurs build businesses employ people make money mm-hmm. make profits and taxes Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ask the taxes on which the country runs. Yep. So you take these engines out of the countries, you have only, you know, vehicles with no engines in them. Mm-hmm. And it happened to Eastern Bloc after communism. Mm-hmm. What is communism? You take, you kill those entrepreneurs. So there is a responsible capitalism. That's mm-hmm. really good for a country as a concept. But at the end of the day, you really need entrepreneurs. This is entrepreneurs who create wealth and value. and uh, paying taxes is good yeah it's just that we have to all of us are collectively responsible to make sure our taxes are put to better use yes exactly exactly yeah. yeah yeah if you were to become prime minister for a day what would be the first step you would take ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i wish i could be prime minister for more than a day <laughs> uh because that's perhaps the most difficult role in this country right mm-hmm. um see if I would encourage entrepreneurship. Okay. Okay. And I would design systems for good entrepreneurs rather than building systems to catch the bad ones. Okay. I would yeah. write off these as collateral damage. Collateral damage. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you trust. You can't help. You build a high trust environment mm-hmm. so that take for example stores that sell you goods. Yeah. That have. 15 day no questions asked return policy <laughs> yeah. it's a leap of faith yeah. i okay. think that's what i would do as the first step i would build a high trust 
high trust ecosystem for entrepreneurs yeah okay business moves at the speed of trust yeah right but if you take everything as collateral damage that's everyone be be like you know this experimenting but then i think the good people are going to cover up for the collateral damage the good entrepreneurs and the trust in the i market. think so yeah okay see entrepreneurs always stretch the money yeah so they're already doing wonders to your economy mm-hmm. right and uh, these are the people who are willing to work harder mm-hmm. i mean these guys hours are already 5 to 9 what else do you expect <coughs> right yeah. so there are going to be a few bad ones who you know don't regard okay um you know what's good for the ecosystem uh, and that they put <coughs> you know they put me before we yeah. mm-hmm. but there are enough people who put we before me too yeah right plenty getting elder would you like to getting uh, get involved in politics <coughs> um <coughs> i have a us passport yeah okay so that kind of makes it in a convenient for me to uh be active in politics in india mm-hmm. uh, i was in my 30s when we got a us citizenship and at that time i saw it as a you know convenience yeah yeah and uh, that doesn't mean that i don't have uh, uh affection to the us i do mm. i do spend a lot of time there and it's my second home <coughs> so uh, i certainly don't think i have a career in politics in india yeah. okay. but can i play an active role absolutely i'm extremely patriotic of where i'm from and uh, i call myself an indophile mm-hmm. so like an audiophile i'm I spend any yeah. amount of time energy and money to you know Supporting. make sure india yeah. sees in, in the right light exactly i'm right. Exactly. proud of it yeah. yeah and i'm unapologetically proud indian yeah, yeah. Okay. i love that i, I love that yeah. yeah unapologetic so if you had to become a minister for a day which portfolio would you choose in india i'm good at business as a entrepreneur i would build a business concierge yeah mm-hmm. and um leverage my global network from ypo EO mm-hmm. CEO yeah. mm-hmm. and sell the hell out of India <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and bring in ideas the finance portfolio that's ah, a commerce okay commerce would be my yeah. sweet spot you encourage entrepreneurship yeah. but if everyone became an entrepreneur <clears throat> say if everyone became an entrepreneur who's going to work who's going to you know i think this problem already exists in gujarat Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Entrepreneurial population. So, but I don't think that's a problem. Because uh, because people people from are, other place yeah. migrate for jobs, yeah. right? No, but then that's, there's overpopulation in India. How are you going to... entrepreneurs usually figure out a lot more than an average employee mm-hmm. would because they don't have the burden that an entrepreneur you know is willing to bear mm-hmm. so it's a lot of work to be an entrepreneur and businesses are very fragile in mm-hmm. the first few years you're right you know if you look at a business and its life and let's say 0 to 10 10 being a big unicorn yeah mm-hmm. the 0 to 1 is your idea yeah. <laughs> uh you need to find your co-founders mm-hmm. you got to find some money yeah you got to sell a dream and the first 20 people will make or break your business okay, okay. Mm. so again at that time you can't recruit again you have to collect Cull- right mm-hmm. and uh, 
one wrong person in the 20 can also break the company down yeah right, right. so and you know there's nowhere to hide so the early years are pretty hard yeah it's a lot of fun too yeah 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 i'd like to thank you for coming on here to the millionaire podcast the first ever episode yeah so before we wrap this up would you like to provide us a advice a parting note to the audience yeah. i think um it will be lovely to see something mainstream mm-hmm. in entrepreneurship for high school yes there is okay. something Thank called you. as young entrepreneurs academy that i've yeah. heard of mm-hmm. and i haven't honestly spent much time there that way making entrepreneurship a lot more tangible and real yeah. early does a lot of good to the world i think yeah. okay right because at the end of the day as entrepreneurs you're taking responsibility to deliver value for more than yourself mm-hmm. the yeah. whole game of entrepreneurship is about we you know before me okay yeah. I, it's a very different mindset so that would be really nice and i'm glad i'm having a conversation with you and uh, your age group because it's not cool to just glorify entrepreneurship because it's a bloody ton of work yeah mm-hmm. a lot of hard work but if you normalize it and if there are enough people going for it um Yeah, definitely the world is going to be a better place okay. so i encourage you know whoever has the luxury mm-hmm. or the ability or just the risk appetite or just plain downright simple crazy enough to try it yeah mm-hmm. go for it yeah don't be afraid to fail right mm-hmm. and um you know i would love to see a lot more entrepreneurship coming out of schools of india mm-hmm. yeah than just the iits of india yeah that would be nice yes That's right. actually the first time yeah. we did. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, we loved it as well. We, we learned a lot. We loved it as well. We learned a lot from you. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we should call it off here. Yeah. Yeah. Done it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.